What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast, your source for real-life application on how to turn your struggles into strengths in all things mind, muscle, and money. I am your host, Josh Levine, and I am joined here by my longtime friend and my co-host, Travis Hatch. And today, we do a deep dive on fasted blood glucose, insulin sensitivity, and your health and fitness goals. Because Travis had a really important question of how do I die slower and more gracefully? (laughs) So I go really deep into these items that I mentioned. And of course, Travis is here with me, and he has literally zero understanding of any of this. So he is once again playing the role of dumb and curious. And by the end of the episode, he has a great understanding of how all of this works and the functions they perform in the body, as well as how it pertains to overall health and fitness. You think we did a pretty good job, right? Yeah. Awesome. I'm really excited about this. So y'all, I highly, highly recommend that y'all have a notepad ready and you might even want to listen to this a couple times through. I am really excited about this one. Before we get into it, we ask that if you love this episode, please give us five stars on Apple or a follow on Spotify. Share us on your socials you can find and tag me at joshavine fitness travis at travis hawks media that's it get your notepads ready because episode 18 starts now i had like waffles like three times today honestly and i like ne- i didn't ne- that's like not even what i want i fuck with waffles though <laughs> yeah they're like, good he- like heavily fuck with waffles you got little syrup pockets in them. Oh yeah, waffles over pancakes. I'm team. I'm team waffles for sure. Well, so that's a great segue. That actually. is a great segue because you feel like waffles are unhealthy, and you had a really good question for me. Yeah. <laughs> so how do I, as a as a man who ate waffles three times today, <laughs> make sure um, that I that I don't die or that I can die slower? Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say, I got some news for you, man. We're all dying. <laughs> I just don't want to. We just, we're, we're, we, we aim to live for as long as we can, but eventually we're going to die. So how yeah. do we make that like slower and more graceful? Slower, more <laughs> graceful and healthier. And like farther away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to make sure. it farther away. Um, well, that's, it's, it actually is a really good segue because today- We're going to talk about some things that you can track, not only to make sure that you're healthy, but also in my world, this is health and physique enhancement. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is one of the things that you can track at home to make sure that you're healthy. And that is your fasted blood glucose, just to get a better look inside your insulin sensitivity, your nutrient partitioning, how healthy you are from an internal standpoint. But what I recommend to everybody and what I recommend, what I require from a lot of my clients is just lab work. Like you got to get your labs done. So when was the last time you got your labs done? Never. You've never got your labs done? Yeah, never. Not from a physical ever? No. Really? There was one time. you're 30, right? Yeah, I'm 30, yeah. So, I mean, dude, honestly, when I was, I started getting my labs done when I was, I think, 26. And it was so annoying to go to a doctor's office and be like, hey, I want my labs done. And they're like, how old are you? I'm like 26 and they're like, yeah, no, you're probably fine. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm probably fine. Yeah. Like what kind of answer is that? So I ended up doing it myself. Okay. Yeah. So, but now you're 30, you can probably just go to a doctor and be like, Hey, I'm 30. Right. And they'll be like, Oh, you need your labs done. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not something that I stress about or that I worry about, but like we were talking about before this, I feel like it's something that I kind of want to worry about a little bit more than I am. Yeah, I feel like most people I, should I don't, at least pay attention to it. I don't it. really want to like stress about it, but I, I've put, you know, kind of zero thought into that. 
uh-huh. which is basically what are the things that I should be looking out for, paying attention to, keeping track of now as a 30-year-old man as I go forward just to make sure that I am healthy like I am now when I'm 40, 50, 60, yeah. 70, 100. It's like, you know, I can tell you the things dentally, brush your teeth, floss. Yeah. But like what are the things, besides like obviously eat healthy, um, drink water. The, those Sweet. are things that you can do every day. Yeah, we've but talked about what that. What are the things the to like kind of like look out for, keep yeah. track of? Is, so we've talked about that stuff on the podcast. We've talked like, you know, make sure you're sleeping well, your recovery is on point, you're eating foods that digest well. We've talked about all this, your shreds, right? Um, if you want to make sure that you're healthy from an internal standpoint, from things that you can't see, one thing that I recommend everybody do is get their labs done. And when you go to get your labs done from your doctor, I apologize to doctors who are listening to this right now, but they're just going to make sure that you're in range. And in range is very different than optimal. So when you work with a health coach or a health and fitness coach like myself, I'm not just looking to make sure that your thyroid stimulating hormone is in range, right? I want to see it optimal. I want to see it between one and two. And that's because I know that your body is going to respond a lot more effectively to what I want it to do when things are not just in range, but they're optimal. Like we talk about this with test levels, like the, the, the range for testosterone levels on most labs is like 300 to 1200 or 250 mm. to 1200. Now you'll feel the effects of low testosterone around 400. But if you go to a doctor, they'll be like, Oh no, you're fine. You're in range. You're like, yeah, it's a little low, but you're in range. But if you go to a health coach or anybody who understands what optimal is, they'll be like, yeah, no, that's low. Like you probably feel like shit. Why don't we, put some things into pro into play to make you feel better. Right. And that might be testosterone replacement therapy. It might be lifestyle change. It might be a combination of the two. Um, but a lot of people are, they aren't super aware of how to get their labs done. Yeah. So, cause a lot of people go to their labs. Or what to look for. Or, yeah, or what to look know. for. So your doctor sometimes will be like, Oh no, you're fine. Like if you're young, y'all, if, if you're young, Go to what I recommend is private MD labs, MD like medical doctor, right? PrivateMDLabs.com, And you can order any lab work you want. This was the craziest thing to me when I realized that I don't need a doctor to get labs done. Mm. Like if, if you, even if you wanted like STD testing or just thyroid testing or full hormone testing or whatever it is, you can just go to this privatemdlabs.com. There's a bunch of websites like this, but I like private MD labs and you can order your own lab work. It gets sent to your email and then you decide if you want to get it filled at like LabCorp or quest diagnostics. And they have different pricing for each of those. But I have a list of labs that I like to see from my clients, especially before we enter, for example, a fat loss phase to make sure that they're healthy. If you don't do that, or if you do want to see if you can get it covered through insurance, then obviously go to your doctor and say that your health professional or health specialist, whatever, wants you to get these labs done. See if you can get it through insurance. If you have a cool doctor, it usually works. Um, I go through uh, R2 Medical, which used to be Relive, which is my gym that I train in person at um, a few days a week. Revive MD, my sponsor company, is also uh, another place where you can get lab work done. And I think right now they're offering free labs with some sort of purchase or something. I don't, I don't know enough about it. I should, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but those are ways that you can get all of your labs done. And then yes, your doctor will help make sure that you're in range, but if you have a coach, they will make sure that you are optimal. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what you should do. Yeah. You should get your labs done. I'll tell you what labs I want. Okay. And then you show them to me 
and we will put some processes in place. If anything is off or not optimal, it's honestly, it's usually relatively simple to fix. Yeah. Yeah. It but just, but we me, need the data. Yeah. And it seems like getting, seeing that at 30 when it's probably really easy to fix for 40 bucks or whatever it costs to, you know, get that specific thing looked at probably sounds like a good idea uh-huh. instead of just, you know, going blindly. Yeah. I'll probably have you go to Archie medical cause you're here. Yeah. Um, and I think their first labs are like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Which is cheap. Like usually a full panel of what I want to see is like $400. Okay. So go to R2 and, uh, anybody listening, if you live in Colorado, go to R2 medical and tell them that I sent you and hopefully they will hook you up. David over there is a really good dude. Um, but for at home right now, what you can do is you can track your fasted blood glucose. Yes. So today we're going to talk about blood glucose, insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance, and your goals. And Travis knows nothing about any of this. Nope. So just like the last time we did a deep dive, he is our like resident question, questioner, questioner, resident questioner. You purposely are coming. I don't even know what like, insulin is. Dumb and curious. Dumb and curious. <laughs> Isn't that what he said last time? Yeah. Dumb and curious. Um, so we'll talk about what insulin is. We'll talk about what glucose is, blood glucose, um, how to measure your fasted blood glucose, what to do with those numbers, how the pancreas. Dude, we're going to go deep. So as I go on, I want to make sure that this is easily understandable for the average human. So you are, in this case, the average human. Cool. And I want to make sure that everything is everything is super easy to understand. I think I I do a good job of it. I have a bunch of notes here, so we're going to get into it. We'll break it down. We're going to start blood glucose levels are honestly a super valuable tool for us to better understand levels of insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance. They affect your nutrient partitioning. We can get information or ideas of how well you're recovering, how well you're sleeping, your digestion. We know about your pancreatic health and, and a lot more. So ideally when you're measuring your fasted blood glucose, a healthy fasted blood glucose ideally measures between 70 and 90 milligrams per deciliter. So it's, me- it's measured when you prick your finger and you put the strip on it. It gives the, the blood glucometer gives you a reading. Usually we want to see that between 70 and 90 milligrams per deciliter. It's also measured in, in uh, some, some other countries. It's measured similar to how A1C is measured. Um, we'll get into that later. Now, if you have readings that are consistently over 100 that is an intake indicator of prediabetes. So red flag. We got to not good. No, not good. Like we got to implement protocols to bring that down. If you are consistently reading at or over 120 milligrams per deciliter, that's an indicator of diabetes. You're either type one or most likely if you weren't born with it, like if you're type one, you know, you're type one. Right. Um, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, you were born with it. Like, you know, um, but indicator of type two diabetes, again, major red flag here. We got to bring that down. We have a bunch of protocols that I'll cover at the end of this episode that will give you an idea of what you can do to bring those numbers down. All right. Well, so yeah, we'll talk more about exactly how this works. Um, uh, essentially when, when blood glucose is high, the pancreas has to work overtime to release insulin, to help bring blood glucose down, into the normal range, bring glucose into the cells that need it most. And that keeps blood glucose in the normal range. Blood glucose, for those who don't haven't caught on yet, it is quite literally just glucose that is floating around in your bloodstream looking for a place to go. So we'll talk more about exactly how this works later on in the episode. Honestly, if y'all don't have your notepads out, I highly recommend getting your notepads out because we're going to go deep here. Okay. So 
the pancreas has to work overtime when blood glucose is high. The problem is if the pancreas is constantly working hard because blood glucose is high and it's trying, the pancreas is secreting insulin to try to keep blood glucose lower because that's insulin's job. Then the pancreas and the beta cells responsible for managing blood glucose are eventually going to fatigue and they're going to say, fuck off. So here's how I like, here's how I like to think of this. Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Sue made a similar analogy and, and it really made it easy to understand. So we're going to think of everything here as a thermostat. All right. So imagine you're trying to keep your house right now. Y'all are probably going to laugh. My house is like at 63 or 65. Is it hot in here? It's I'm hot. hot. No, okay. it's hot. Yeah. All right. So who knows how accurate that is? But I told someone that last night and they were like, are you a fucking psychopath? Yeah. I like, no, I walk around in shorts and a tank top in six and my house is at 63. Um, all right. So say you're trying to keep, you say you're a normal person and you're trying to keep your house at 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. All right. But the windows are open. All right. So say your pancreas functions as like the thermostat in the AC unit. Right. Hot air is going to come in in the summer and it's going to make the house heat up. Right. And your thermostat is going to tra- send a signal to your air conditioner to blow cold air in. Right. So hot air is kind of like glucose. Like you consume a carbohydrate and that converts to glucose and your body has to dispose of that properly. So the thermostat and the AC, which is like your pancreas, go into overdrive to try to keep the house at the same temperature. All this hot air is coming in, but we want to keep the house at 70. So the AC starts pumping. So similar to your house, your pancreas is, is what tries to keep blood glucose, which is in, in this analogy is the hot air at the same level. But the windows are always open and blood glucose is continuing to come in. So eventually the thermostat, the AC, it's just going to break, right? Like it can only handle so much. And that, in that case, that's when your pancreas starts to fatigue. So what happens when the thermostat or the AC breaks, like the house gets really fucking hot. The same thing happens in your body. The pancreas fatigues, you become insulin resistant or, or just the pancreas can't keep up with the level of blue of glucose in your blood and blood glucose skyrockets. So my, my coach, Justin Haley refers to this as pancreatic fatigue. It's not a super well-studied or coined term in the industry, but like, we know this is how it works. Like if the pancreas is constantly working overtime to manage your blood glucose, cause it's so fucking high, then it's going to get tired and it's going to fatigue. And that's when we run into issues with insulin resistance. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay, cool. I, I, I like that analogy. And so I wanted to make sure that we started off there just to make sure that people understand kind of a general understanding of how this works. All right. So when the pancreas fatigues, blood glucose gets higher and higher. And that's when we start to see signs of insulin resistance and prediabetes. Like that's when your blood glucose gets up into the hundreds, 110s, 120s or higher. And that's an issue. All right. So before we get too far, let's talk about how do you measure that? You just got your blood glucose kit, right? Yeah. Okay. So it was like $35 on Amazon. It's not that expensive, right? Now, what one did you get? Whatever one that you suggested. Okay. I just copy Good. and pasted that in there. <laughs> Good. Cause I've got a bunch of people that just get shitty glucometers. Yeah. And y'all, it is not, it is so frustrating. Like if you have a blood glucometer and it's saying that like one day you're 120 and one day you're 90 and one day you're 105 and then 83 or dude, if they're all over the place like that, well, it's useless. Then. It's not, it's fucking useless it's data. Might as well. You're just stabbing yourself you, for no for reason. For no reason. Yeah. And, and you're just confusing, you're, you're confusing me. Yeah. And I don't like that. 
So I have a list of um, glucometers that I recommend. Uh, all my clients get in their welcome email, they get a link to a list of 10 glucometers that I recommend that are accurate. I like the care touch meter that you can get on Amazon. It comes in a pack. Um, I've found it to be reliable. I found it to be accurate. I know my coach Justin uses, uh, I think it's Lovio. Regardless, as long as you're not getting like a really shitty one or like going to CVS and getting a store brand meter, like you're, you're probably going to be okay. All right. But make sure you get a good meter. All right. Now, how do you measure fasted blood glucose? It's not really as simple as just like pricking your finger and taking a reading. There are some ways that we can create more consistency. And the number one thing that we're looking for in health and fitness is consistency. So what my clients do is we wake up, we drink 15 to 20 ounces of room temperature water. So the reason we do this is when you wake up, you get a cortisol spike. That's what wakes you up. The sun hits your face or whatever, right? Like you get a cortisol spike that wakes you up. Cortisol is your stress hormone. Cortisol and insulin have inverse relationships. So when cortisol spikes, there will be an insulin response. Um, it could stay low or you could get an insulin dump to bring cortisol down. Like, cause if insulin goes up, cortisol has to come down. You want cortisol to be low, like high in the morning and then low throughout the day. So that melatonin, which is also inverse to cortisol, which is like your sleepy hormone, mm -hmm. melatonin. So that can go up. If cortisol doesn't come down, melatonin has trouble rising and you're going to have trouble falling asleep. That's for a different story. Okay. But we want to try to manage our insulin uh, dump and our, and our uh, blood glucose in the morning. So we drink 15 to 20 ounces of water and we wait 20 to 30 minutes to flush out any leftover glucose and just help manage the potential insulin response. Basically, it just helps create more consistency. That's it. All right. So wake up, drink 15 to 20 ounces of water, wait 20 to 30 minutes. Honestly, I used to wait 10 to 15 and I've just found much more consistency waiting 20 to 30 then you're going to prick your finger with the little stabby thingy, which honestly, the first time I used it was fucking terrifying. Something about not being able to see the needle was yeah. really scary to me. Um, but you prick your finger, wipe away that first drop. Like you'll squeeze out a little blood, wipe away that first drop. I used to see, um, I think John Meadows used to do this. And actually, I think Justin talked about this on a recent podcast too. And I wondered why wipe away the first drop. That blood is really close to the surface of the skin. And there could be like a glucose pool. Oh, right. From all the fucking from chocolate all, you ate last from night? All the, from all the waffles you had today. God damn it. <laughs> so wipe away that first drop, test the second drop. So you prick it, wipe it away, squeeze some more out, test the second drop, record that reading. I just wake up with a glaze of glucose all over my skin. <laughs> it's from all the fucking waffles and maple syrup. Vermont maple syrup, for all those who are wondering. Or bust. So that's how you measure your fasted blood glucose. Wake up, drink 15 to 20 ounces of water, wait 20 to 30 minutes, prick your finger, wipe the first drop, squeeze again, test the second drop, record that. All right. Now, let's go a little bit deeper. What is insulin? What is blood glucose, honestly? How do they relate to the pancreas? Why is all of this even important? Right. So you got that number now. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. That is going to be indicative of how well, you are managing, partitioning your nutrients. It is going to be indicative of your insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance. It could be indicative of how well you're managing stress. If you're eating foods that don't agree with you, how well you're sleeping, your recovery, all of these things we can tell from that number. Because if you're super stressed and your cortisol is high too much, which is going to cause your insulin to go up. Nailed it. Yeah. Right. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll have an effect on your insulin. Yeah. Right. So if cortisol is really high and insulin's low, then you're not going to be able to partition glucose as effectively because so it's insulin's low. We need insulin to like 
be the shuttle bus that takes glucose around the body and brings it to where it needs to go. So insulin, and this is actually a perfect segue. Insulin is a hormone that allows glucose to enter cells and also reduces blood glucose. So this glucose is floating around in your blood. We don't just want glucose circulating in your blood all day. Glucose is sugar. Glucose is essentially blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't just want that like circulating around your blood all day. Like it needs everything in your body, like needs somewhere to go. Yeah. Insulin is a hormone that allows, it basically is like a shuttle bus. It takes glucose. It's like, hey, what's up? We're gonna be tight. And then it takes glucose to enter cells and that basically disposes of the glucose and allows us to utilize it for energy and whatnot, okay? So it releases as a response, insulin releases mainly as a response to carbohydrates. You'll get an insulin response from most foods, but its main goal is to respond to carbohydrates because that's where glucose comes from. And it's blood glucose is always changing. So insulin is always having to manipulate it, okay? Now, if you are insulin resistant, it just means that the same amount of insulin is no longer effective on transporting the same amount of glucose and, and controlling blood glucose levels. So if blood glucose is chronically high and the pancreas is constantly releasing insulin to try to keep blood glucose down, then cells are eventually going to be become resistant and they're not going to allow glut transporters to get through. And we're going to get into that as well. Basically this- insulin... Does this yep. contribute to pancreatic cancer? No. No. Okay. I don't believe so. Okay. Someone can can, can uh, fact check me on that. I don't believe so. Okay. Um, unless there was like a visceral, honestly, maybe they, yeah, they may, maybe there's a visceral fat component. That's not good for your organs. We're going to get into that later too. Uh, but basically insulin like takes glucose, knocks on a cell wall to allow glucose in. And then, you know, if you're insulin resistant, the cell is basically has like a bouncer at the front door and it's like, nah, fam, we're at capacity, even though it's not. Right. Right. So that's insulin resistance in a, in a nutshell. Okay. So, um, to dive into the pancreas, which is responsible for releasing that insulin to keep blood glucose at a proper level. The pancreas has beta cells and alpha, alpha cells. Almost any, everything in your body has like a beta cell and an alpha cell, right? Beta cells are what are responsible for releasing that insulin. Alpha cells release glucagon. So here's where it gets really interesting. Okay. So alpha cells stimulate the release of glycogen and they aim to inhibit glycolysis, which is essentially the burning of glycogen for energy um, usage and energy output. Okay. So alpha cells release glucagon. This stimulates liver glucose production and it counteracts what insulin does. So beta cells are releasing insulin. Alpha cells are releasing glucagon. These are two completely separate and completely inverse functions. One raises blood glucose, glucagon. One lowers blood glucose, insulin. So it's, it's essentially a feedback loop that aims to create homeostasis so blood glucose doesn't like get too high or too low. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So everything in your body is essentially a feedback loop. It's like everything has a system of checks and balances. So even the pancreas itself has its own system of checks and balances, alpha cells and beta cells. Now, when you consume a food, or when you consume anything really, the pancreas has to get a message from the gut, which is, remember, like your second brain, to release X amount of insulin to control blood glucose. So um, the pancreas essentially has to produce and release X amount of insulin based on what you just consumed. So if you've ever had a friend who's diabetic, I always thought this was kind of cool. Um, I've had quite a few clients who are diabetic or, or type one and just, yeah, they're on insulin, right? So they would like eat a donut, for example. And they'd be like, okay, well, that donut had 
X amount of carbohydrates. So I need X amount of insulin. And your pancreas does that. But obviously, if you're diabetic, it doesn't do it very effectively. So that's why diabetics are on insulin. I got gotcha. Yeah. So your pancreas isn't producing um, the insulin. Your body, your, your body isn't producing the insulin that you need, so you have to inject it. Or it's just not effective, right? Because right? insulin can be produced, but it can't be, sometimes yeah. it can't be received, right? Um, so insulin has to rely on the cells it's traveling to to be able to, and that, actually, good segue. Insulin has to rely on the cells that it's traveling to to be able to, like, uptake the glucose that it's transporting because sometimes in cases of insulin resistance, right? Like insulin's in the body, the pancreas releases insulin, the beta cells release insulin, insulin takes glucose and goes to a cell wall and it knocks on a cell wall to try to let the glucose in. And then you get that bouncer that we talked about, right? And bouncer's Mm -hmm. like, nah, fam, we're full. And then insulin's like, okay, well now what I do, I got to go find another cell, right? So it's not always just that there's no insulin. There's a bunch of different variables that could be in play there. Um, But like a lot of things have to happen to get to the end result of getting, of like ingesting a food and then getting the cells to cooperate and insulin to cooperate, to create energy from that food. Right. Right. Like there's a lot of shit that has to happen. And if anything is lagging along that line, then we're, we're at risk of developing insulin resistance. Like things need to be fucking on, like on point, like moving the way that they're supposed to. Yeah. So if you become insulin resistant, it can be tough to fix. Like, People who are insulin resistant, usually we look at like people who are type two diabetic and you know what, what they're usually overweight. It's really easy to put on body fat. It's really hard to take off body fat. They're not using energy in a proper manner. They're just like storing it. And, and they're, they're, they got all these fatty acid dumps and tons of adipocyte issues that are, that are happening inside the body. And they're, they're just very unhealthy. So back to your question of like how to make sure we're healthy. This is like a really great way to make sure that you're yeah. healthy. It seems like one of the biggest one of the biggest things that you can do on your own to make sure that you're healthy is to keep track of this because I was, I, I was looking at um, some numbers and it's like one in 10 people right now in the U S is diabetic is what I was saying. I believe that. And one in three is pre-diabetic mm-hmm. and that's supposed to increase by 160% by 2050, like bare yeah. minimum. Um, dude, you, and maybe even more in, in, in older women for some reason, um, it was said like 200 something percent in women over 70. So like, this is a huge problem. Yeah, it is a massive (laughs) problem. And something that you can basically just keep track of to not get yourself into. And dude, you would be so surprised at some of the clients that I, that come to me and we start tracking blood glucose and I'm like, Oh, you're diabetic. Yeah. Like you don't look diet. Like when you think of someone who's diabetic, you typically think of like a very overweight person. Right. Right. But a lot of these people aren't. Yeah. It's, it's wild that. I mean, one in three people is pre-diabetic. Y- so yeah. if you know, <laughs> if you're standing you know three near three people. people, one of you is pre-diabetic. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's really how it works, but like, <laughs> that's, essentially, how, it that's works. how it works. We're telling you that's how it works. Okay. So yeah, this is a really important thing to track. And obviously I'm telling you all about how this works and why it's important. Um, but essentially, and, and, and it's probably way more in depth than a lot of you need to know, but I'm a nerd and I know a lot of nerds and really smart people listen to this podcast. So like, I want you to understand how and why it's important. So Let's go back to insulin. So we understand how the pancreas works, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And we kind of understand how insulin works. Do we understand how insulin works? Yeah. To like at a high level. Okay. Um, 30,000 foot view of insulin basically. So let's go back to insulin for a little bit. Okay. 
So insulin takes glucose to tissues where it can be stored. We've got that. Insulin's like the shuttle and like the, um, like a, like a usher for, for instance, right? So insulin takes glucose to, to tissues where it can be stored. It binds to the cell membrane. Insulin carries glucose molecule in it, binds to the cell membrane. The receiving cell has a response that ends with a GLUT4 response, which we'll get into later, that basically takes glucose where it'll be stored. So the receiving cell, it's like a handoff, right? Like in a, uh, in a race, one of the races with the batons. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It basically hands off the baton, it hands off glucose, and it's like, cool, I got this from here. And it's supposed to take glucose, that receiving cell takes glucose to where it'll be stored. Okay. Um, ideally, in a muscle as glycogen to use for energy later, right? When insulin binds to a cell mem- mem- membrane, the cell is supposed to send glut to the glucose from glut to get the glucose from the insulin. But if we're insulin resistant, this doesn't happen, right? Because we got that bouncer at the cell wall that's like, nah, we're good. And then on the inside, glut's supposed to come through to grab insulin. The bouncer's like, nah, dude, you can't get out. Like, we're good. So you are literally insulin resistant, okay? You're resistant to receiving insulin. So now that glucose can't get into that cell, it drives the amount of fatty acids in that cell higher. Because now the, that, that insulin has to go find a different place to take that glucose, Fatty acids in the cell get higher. If fatty acids can't leave the cell because that bouncer's like no one in, no one out, then this is a response. It's, it's a response to glut not being able to do its job. They start to swell. Those cells start to swell and you get fat. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So too much fatty acids. Glucose can't, can't get in the cell. Inflammation is up. This is happening all over the body, even in you and me right now. It doesn't matter that we're healthy. Like this is always happening. It's just like at what clip is this happening? Right. Right. So if it's happening at a really high clip, then yeah, that's bad. Mm-hmm. You're going to get fat. You're going to be unhealthy. You're going to not be, you're going to be insulin resistant. Yeah. So that's the issue. So basically to boil it down, very high blood glucose over an extended period of time. That's the key. Um, will cause insulin resistance and eventually diabetes. And then along comes with that all kinds of other health issues and possibly like death. Like you yes. can obviously lots of people die from this. Or lose limbs. Yeah, obesity is the number one cause of death in the world right now, right? Yeah. Or in America, at least. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the pandemic, like, don't be fat. Right. Like, pay attention to this shit. So. And this is why measuring facet blood glucose is so important. Like, it it lets us know what clip all of this is happening at. Yeah. That's an important metric. Like, that. if you want to talk about, like, tracking your health. Yeah. That's important. So, like. For me, understanding this as someone who doesn't know anything about this, we've got blood glucose. If it's very high over an extended period of time, it's going to cause all of this. Probably all, probably like genetics and other things come into play there about what high is for you and how long you can, you know, how long you can handle it or, or whatever. But this is a, that that's how it works. And this is a problem that in this country, especially with the amount of like sugar and sneaky sugar that they sneak into everything, um, you know, sugary drinks, sugary food, sugar, there's four grams of sugar in a slice of bread for some reason. Um, <laughs> you like, this is something where you could look healthy and probably feel healthy, but have this issue, which mm-hmm. is eventually just going to come crashing. Like, it's going to be like, all of a sudden you have problems and it's, and like at that point it's kind of too late. So that's like, generally how, what it seems like to me, that's generally how it happens Mm -hmm. to identify that and make sure that doesn't happen. You can very easily check this 
you know, your fasted blood glucose every morning or whatever, Even once in a once while, a week. Yeah, yeah. once, once in a while to, yeah. to, to keep once a week mm-hmm. to keep track of, to see if you do have this issue. My, so my, my two like simplified questions immediately when I'm thinking of this is like, okay, what, like what causes this to happen and, um, how do you reverse it? So, or how do you fix it? Or is it, it, can you fix it? So what causes this to happen? It seems like it's just having eating way too much sugar. Is that correct? Or like what else? No, not necessarily sugar. Cause just because, just because we're talking about blood sugar doesn't mean that it only happens when you digest sugar. So not, yeah, but like, I know like alcohol, for instance, Mm -hmm. like if you drink a lot of alcohol, that can kind of turn. That'll fuck up your blood glucose for sure. Yeah. Um, So this happens just as a result of poor management of health, essentially. Like you're probably not moving a lot. You're probably not very active. You're probably drinking a lot. So being active, would that help your blood glucose? Because- Mm-hmm. the glucose that's in your body is then being used in your being muscles. Utilized. Yeah. Yes. It's okay. being utilized. So it's, it's, if you're, if you're like a stagnant pool, mm-hmm. then this is, if you're a stagnant pool you're, that like you're dumping glucose in and then it's got nowhere to go. It's, it's got nowhere to go. And especially if you are, you know, drinking a lot, stress honestly is a huge factor here. Right. Um, poor digestion. Going back to stress. Like, yeah, if you are, if you have a hard time managing stress because of the inverse relationship between cortisol and insulin, remember that mm-hmm. you're going to ha- you're going to be much more likely to be insulin resistant. Like, um, you know, I have a lot of clients who are super type a, yeah. and I'm like, all I, all I need you to do is just chill the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's another thing I think would be not necessarily get into too much on this episode, but like, I feel like, can you, how do you know if you have too much stress? Is, is there any way to be like super stressed out without yeah. knowing it? Oh, totally, dude. I have so many clients who I ask, you know, I ask about your stress levels a lot. Like your heart and, doesn't and have to I'm be doing, pounding out of your chest no, 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 to no. like be stressed. I'm so, dude, so many people, so many people do this. All right. People think of stress as just like how you feel. Right. Like you're super busy with work. I'm super busy with work. Yeah. That's stressful. I, I must be very stressed out because I feel stressed out a lot. Yeah. But, but I feel chill right now, but I don't know. Maybe I'm really stressed out. But <laughs> maybe, but I get so many people who come to me as clients and they're like, oh no, I'm not. So like, I don't, I manage my stress really well. And then I find out that like, yeah, they have maybe some relationship problems at home or like they work a really stressful job. Like they feel like they manage it well because they work out seven days a week and they run and they have alcohol and they drink and they do all of these other things that are still stressors to the body. And they think that it's stress relief which yeah, mentally at some, in, in some cases, in some ways it is, but your body only has one stress reservoir. So like it doesn't know the difference between stress from your work or the f- argument that you got within your spouse or the hard workout that you did, or if you got punched in the face, like right. it doesn't know the difference between all of those. So a lot of people might think that they're managing their stress really well when really they're completely overstressed because they're a manager at a, you know, a, a, a high with a high paying job at a company and they're always getting like, a, they have a lot of stress from that job. And then they do orange theory classes five days a week and then they lift weights and they try to play fucking soccer or something three days a week. And they have, all, they drink 
for yeah. three days a week. Whenever you're on vacation, you fly to Vegas and get blacked out for a week. Yeah, like that's your yeah, that's your stress relieving vacation. And then you're, and then like, you're just oh, back to I work. I need a, I need a vacation for my vacation. Just back like, to work. Literally at myself in Moab last yeah, week. But I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> and and so it's just stress, 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 stress. And they don't they feel like they're managing it well, but then you look at their biofeedback. That's why I track biofeedback in my clients and they sleep like shit. Their digestion's way off. They're recovering horribly. They look stressed out. Like they're holding a ton of water in their physique. Their high, their fasted blood glucose is through the roof. All of these signs point to you are way too stressed out. And so it's kind of counterintuitive. We were talking about some ways that you can combat having a high fasted blood glucose is like to exercise more and like be healthy. Right? Well, sometimes we have to move less. Like we have to control stress from somewhere. And so if you're, if you can't control stress from your job or the argument with your spouse or the kids or the dog or whatever, any of this other shit is, that's kind of like more or less out of your control. Then we have to control stress from somewhere else in your life. We have to make sure that you're eating whole foods that digest well. You're probably avoiding artificials because we need to optimize your digestion. We need to get you sleeping better. We need to add anti-stress things like some breath work, maybe some meditation, go for a walk in the grass with your bare feet. We need to maybe pull back on exercise instead of training six days a week, start training four days a week. Instead of training to failure, train with two or three reps in reserve. Instead of doing cardio all the time, pull back cardio, pull back steps, something to manage stress because we have this inverse view of stress. Physique enhancement is health is all stress management. And most people are just way too stressed out. So we got to pull back. We got to manage stressors where we can to make sure that we're right in the middle of that inverse view. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically what it is. And we'll get into, I want like later on, I want to talk about like, yeah, what can you do to bring down your fasted blood glucose? And there's long story short, like it depends, but I'll give some anecdotal evidence for what I've done, what I've seen work. Okay. Okay. So, we know that this, that like having a high fasted blood glucose, especially when it's chronic is bad. And we know that it can basically make you fat and unhealthy. And I feel like I've gone pretty in depth on how that all happens. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about is just, we talked about the bouncer at the cell wall and how like they won't let insulin or glucose in and they won't let fatty acids out. Mm -hmm. Well, when, eventually if that bouncer is not letting fatty acids out, like that cell is going to continue to swell and it's going to be like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. It keeps on swelling bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually it's going to be like, okay, we got to get rid of shit. And it just dumps a bunch of fatty acids into the bloodstream. Now, when that happens, those fatty acids just replaced with more fatty acids. They don't have, and the old ones don't have anywhere to go. The ones that got dumped in the bloodstream don't have anywhere to go. So they just get stored as adipose tissue and that's how people get fat, right? So there's like cascade of events that happens that leads to people getting fat. Now, that I think we're good there. Yeah. That, all, that all makes sense. And obviously like the body has unlimited fat stores. Like there's no limit to how fat you can get. Right. Like there's kind of a limit to how much muscle you can build. Or yeah, right? eventually like, you'll die. But, kind of, yeah. but like, yeah, I mean, my 600 pound life is a real show. Yeah. Like there's really, there's very little limit. Um, so anyway, I think we're good there. I don't want to confuse people and I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're creating some actionable takeaways from this episode. So what we were talking about was like, how to measure this, how to track this, how to make sure you're healthy. You might think, yeah, I'm fit and healthy, but it doesn't always matter. Cause I've had fit and healthy people come in to work with me who have, 
you know, look fine, but they have facet blood glucose numbers that are like upwards of 120 and they're essentially diabetic and their A1C, which is your uh, three month average of your facet blood glucose, which you get in lab work. Um, and that's at like 5.6 that shows them. Yeah. They're pretty much diabetic. Like they're on the cusp of the diabetic range. Um, so you made a point earlier in the episode talking about all you have to do is measure your facet blood glucose, right? That's yes and no. Okay. So play. Okay. Follow, 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 try to follow me here. All right. Now, if you are measuring your facet blood glucose and it's, pretty normal. Say it's like 90. It's in the nineties. It's pretty normal. And then all of a sudden one day it just spikes and it stays spiked to like 120 plus. Remember when we were talking about the pancreas gets tired. So you could have normal fasted blood glucose numbers because the pancreas is in overdrive. Yeah. Releasing insulin over and over and over you, again. You just got to, uh, your pancreas is working really hard. Event, but the, it's doing its job. The, and then it, yeah. again, it got tired. And it got tired and it yeah. said, fuck off. And, okay. and, and your facet blood glucose numbers don't show you that until it's too late. So where you, like your question at the beginning of the episode of how do I really make sure that I'm good is you get labs done. So for you, for coaches, for anybody listening, you should be testing your facet blood glucose, which you can do at home. You should also be testing your A1C and your insulin. And honestly, you get a full cortisol test too, if you can, like it's kind of a pain in the ass. How often should you do all of that? Like, it seems like your fasted blood glucose, you could do easily once a week Yeah, do that at, at home. home once a week, easy. But like, should the rest of this stuff, like full panel, should that be once a year, every other year, uh, every six months? Depends like, on if you're a bodybuilder or not. Right. <laughs> like I get mine done at least once a year, once or twice a year. Um, but that's because I push my body to the limit and I, I, I need to make sure that it's healthy because I can't waste time. I want it to respond yeah. exactly how I want it to. But if you're like me, I I'm most not a bodybuilder. Once I'm a year. 30. It's yeah. like once a year, every couple of years, if yeah. I get that done and it'll probably keep yeah. me on track once a year. And if, if you're keeping track of all of the other variables of your biofeedback, which is like making sure that you sleep well and you're eating foods that digest well yeah. and you're recovering well and you're active, And you do a pretty like, good job of like watching your macros, you know, you're not having like an obscene amount of sugar mm-hmm. or, or not sugar, but like carb, you know what I mean? You're not, you're, your diet isn't 90% carbs because you're keeping track of that. Then as long as you're, doing everything else well, you should be healthy. Honestly, as long as you are tracking things and you seem healthy in your biofeedback and in the numbers that you have, like what I track with my clients, you're, you're probably good. Yeah. Right. I do blood work because a lot of times I see things that I'm like, I need more on that. Right. Right. So yes, if you're, if you like once every year, once every couple of years, yeah, get full, get a full panel done. Like, why wouldn't you? Right. So test your facet blood glucose, your A1C and your insulin. Cause like we just talked about, if insulin, if you, if your facet blood glucose seems normal, but insulin is really, really high, then that tells us, okay, well shit, the pancreas is working overtime, releasing all this insulin. There's a ton of insulin in your blood. That means that eventually it's going to, it's going to say fuck right. off and your facet blood glucose is going to go through the roof and you're going to be insulin resistant. Yeah. And right? if you get that, if you get like, if you do your blood test like that for the first time right now, maybe it was too high, but it's not too late. No, you, you can, can still fix scale that. It back. And if you get it done once a year, then even if it was okay last year and now it's not, you can still scale that back. It's not like a all the time, deal. dude, all the time. I've, it's just, if honestly, you don't pay attention to anything and then all of a sudden you're, 
you know, then you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Then you have a lot of work to do. And if, I mean, you know, then you might have to start utilizing prescriptions like metformin or something, which is, which helps keep fasted blood glucose in check. But a lot of, dude, it is honestly, it's so fucking cool. Like to fix somebody like that without drugs, without drugs, just like, just lifestyle changes to have a client that comes to see me and they're either diabetic or pre-diabetic and I fix that shit. It is fucking awesome just to watch the human body and how adaptable it is. So like, how do you do that? Right. I'm sure that's everyone's questions. Like, how do you do that? So if your fasted blood glucose is high, we can bring those numbers down with proper protocols. Now it depends on how we do this. Usually in my experience, you know, we see a, I can usually see a great response with just like increasing water intake. We talked about water intake, uh, drinking mm-hmm. 15 to 20 ounces in the morning. So drink, make sure you're drinking a lot of water. I like at least a gallon a day. Everyone can drink a gallon of water a day. Like it's not that hard. Okay. You're going to pee a little bit more, but whatever. Um, so increasing water take intake, increasing training intensity, um, better stress management, which if stress is too high, maybe we need to pull training intensity back, which is why I say it depends better sleep, better food choices, you know, opting for whole foods and not artificials paying attention to, um, you know, the, uh, I hate to say the glycemic index, but really just making sure like what kind of insulin response am I going to get from this food? Is it a super fast digesting carbohydrate? That's going to create a higher insulin spike or is it not? Um, and then in extreme cases we refer to, you know, using like prescription drug, uh, like, like a metformin, Um, there's even a lot of data that shows that you can fix, um, high fasted blood glucose and insulin resistance and, uh, diabetes or type two diabetes with insulin, like with really low dose insulin just to give the pancreas a break. Cause if the pancreas Mm. is always releasing insulin and then you exogenously introduce very low doses of insulin and the pancreas is like, Oh dude, thank God. Like it doesn't care. It's like, we got help. Don't pull back. We're tired. Yeah. And, and it gets a break. Right. So, um, a lot of times what we'll see is we'll just talk about these one, one by one. And I know this, this, we were going to do a short episode, but this is kind of in depth. So, um, one by one, we'll talk about your training. Obviously increasing training intensity is going to lead to the required usage of more glycogen, more, more energy. So more carbohydrates are going to be used for energy. So that can help. Um, also adding in bouts of cardio I've seen help. So high intensity interval training, unless there's a stress management issue, um, then I'll go to just more steady state cardio just a few times a week for not that long. Cause I don't want to create a stress. I just want to get the body moving that can help improve in, uh, uh, fasted blood glucose numbers. Stress management is really, really important. I've seen really great results from incorporating meditation, um, breath work, like box breathing, four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold for five or 10 minutes, especially if you can do that in a dark room an hour or two before bedtime. That's going to help you get more parasympathetic. That's going to help you sleep better. That's going to help your insulin sensitivity, help bring down your fasted blood glucose numbers. I've seen journaling help. And a lot of these honestly just help with stress management and, and sleep. So like if you go, if you go to bed and you got racing thoughts, like, dude, write that shit down, get it out of your head, get it onto paper. Um, so yeah, journaling can really help. Um, as far as food choices, we want to manage our insulin spike. So opting for whole foods and trying to avoid artificials, usually artificials will, uh, mess with digestion, which is my next point on this list. But, um, eating things that are as close to the way that they came from the earth as possible usually will help. Um, digestion, we want to make sure that that's on point. So if we have any issues with digestion or we're eating foods that are upsetting our stomachs, then we want to avoid those. 
always, always, always making sure that we are prioritizing digestion, guys. That is an absolutely crucial part of any quality exercise uh, programming or, or fitness, health and fitness programming. Your digestion is so important. We talked about the gut and its responsibility for getting all this to happen. That's what sends the signal in the first place. On top of that, like serotonin is produced in the gut. We need to make sure that digestion is optimized. And then lastly, well, not lastly, um, I'm going to plug the, a, a good glucose disposal agent in here as well. So my sponsor company revive MD has a product called glucose and that essentially helps manage facet blood glucose numbers. In fact, I just had a client post on uh, his story today, he tagged me in it that once he started taking it and I see this with almost everybody, once they start taking the glucose from revive, I have my clients take it three caps before their two largest carbohydrate meals, not around their workout each day. And I see that bring down facet blood glucose numbers almost every time and it makes them stabilize and they're much less bouncy, much less jumping around. The last thing, oh, and for Revive MD, y'all can use code Levine10 at checkout so you can save yourself some money and support your boy. And then lastly, dude, honestly, all it comes down to is to optimize health and keep facet blood glucose in check and make sure that you're insulin sensitive is just like, don't get fat. Yeah. Like, all, like do all of the things that you know to do not to get fat. And if you don't know what those are, then like shoot me a message and I'll help you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Does all of it? Like I feel 100%. like this is a very in-depth topic and I feel like I went really deep on it, uh, especially for- I feel like I understand now. If Dude, if you get way it- Way more and like what I need what I need to do and what I need to worry yeah. about and not worry about. If, if you get it, I feel like everyone- can get it. If I can had, get it, you guys can get it. <laughs> you had no idea what any of this was yeah. and have never done any I of didn't, it. I didn't really understand what insulin or like, I obviously I know glucose, I know what glucose is, but I didn't know that much about it. And I didn't even really understand what insulin is or where it came from or what its purpose is, but sick. Yeah. That, okay. That makes me really excited. I thought I was going to do a pretty good job here. I'm glad to hear that I did. No, that was a great, yeah, that was a great deep dive Fuck for yeah. me, for me. Fuck for sure. yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, if, I mean, if anybody listening has any questions, reach out to me on Instagram, feel free to shoot me a message. If you get a meter and like, you want to run your numbers by me, just shoot me a message. Like I'm always more than happy to help. Um, I think that's it. Do you have any more questions? Do you want anything that you need me to cover again or, or any other questions that you have that might be helpful for the listeners? No, I mean, I think that that, that, yeah, that was good for me. Hell yeah, dude. Love yeah. that. Awesome. All right. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this. I hope y'all thought it was as valuable as we did. Uh, again, if you have any questions, reach out, reach out to us. But other than that, I appreciate everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast. We'll see y'all next week. Stay healthy out there. Stay healthy and stay fit and don't get fat. Peace. Later.